Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for... We are off to the races, ladies and gentlemen, for another, whoa, this is going to be a jam-packed, information-packed episode of The Conspiracy Farm. I am, as always, your ever-faithful co-host, Jeffrey Wilson, running shotgun with my partner in crime, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Militich. How are you doing this morning, buddy? Well, I'm super excited. I've already got a great workout in, drank a couple coffees, got pumped up for this, uh, having George and Jason on. is. Uh, I think this is, we've had some incredible guests, but this is this is big. This this is big, ladies and gentlemen. As he mentioned, we do have on, man, a couple people who have just been tearing it up, man. I don't know when they sleep or how they fit it in. Jason Goodman and George Webb, uh, investigators who have been covering a great many things that we are going to get into. How are you gentlemen doing this morning? Great. We're honored to be on the show. Yeah, doing good. Well, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you guys have been busy, uh, been keeping me up quite late nights, uh, watching your videos and just trying to comprehend all of this information but i mean i can't thank you guys enough for the work you are doing quite frankly let me just start with that um and you're turning a narrative right on its head and we've heard it over and over over the last several months and like i said before we went on i'm going to try to streamline some of this information because there's a lot here ladies and gentlemen the the russian hacking the leaks the hacking the the collusion of delusion I don't even know. It's um, it's it's been the theme. It's been the narrative that the mainstream media and everybody's been thumping for quite a while. I'm going to try to do a little cursory, a little summary on the background on on the real story on this, as according to these guys' research, and then I'm going to turn it over to them to uh, expound further. Um, if I'm correct, the Democratic Party for several decades has used a particular type of software. Um, this software was created by a gentleman by the name of Nathan Perlman. Now, this kind of software uh, holds a, it's a database for donors, and then you have another one that's a database for voters. Am I correct, gentlemen? Yes. Okay, so what started the first original hack, if you will, was a gentleman by the name of, as he's been known as Guccifer One, Marcel Lazar out of Romania, a gardener out of Romania. Yeah, he hacked the Bushes, he hacked some celebrities, he had also hacked Hillary Clinton's emails, if I remember correctly. He would garden, go read some emails, and go garden some more. But he didn't publish these emails, am I correct? Yeah, as a matter of fact, you're talking to one of the victims of that hack, Jason Goodman, when he was at Sony uh, Sony yes. making Spider-Man 3D. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that's another thing we're getting into, because I think you were part of a class action lawsuit that's involved in some of this. Um, jumping to oh, so Guccifer, he gets pinched and he goes to prison in 2014. Another gentleman, or I'm assuming a gentleman, Guccifer two comes along. He hacks into one of just the databases. I believe it's the NGP van with just the database with just the voters or the donors. One of the two doesn't publish anything. Still, no emails, no Podesta stuff yet. But this is what he has hacked into. Am I correct so far, gentlemen? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're output reports. They're output reports from the NGP van uh, software about uh, about donors as well as opposition research on Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then so within that's those are the what they call the hacks because as we're going to get to them I mean, as we're talking about there's just a difference, ladies and gentlemen, what we're hearing about hacks and leaks. So you got Guccifer one and then Guccifer two, and then you do have. Um, I didn't really quite get this role, but the the fancy bear and the cozy bear and the crowd strike. Explain that part for me and for us. Well, uh, cozy bear, uh, I believe to be this group called the Awan Brothers. Now, if I told you there was four Russian brothers, which we will talk Cap- about soon. Yeah, four Russian brothers on Capitol Hill and two Russian wives, and they were all making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year, and they had burglarized twenty congressional offices. The Democrats probably would have picked that story up, but because they're Pakistani, it, everyone is looking the other way and acting like it didn't happen. Whew. The Iwan brothers. Those are the cozy bears, by the way. Those are the cozy bears. Okay. And then fancy bear, in in my estimation. 
Yeah, right. it's important that we that we predicate that by saying that this is working theory. The that, way it's been really presented is that Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear are techniques or software tools or something. I mean, that's a big part of it is that there's this obfuscation in language and, you know, it's sort of presented to everyone as, hey, this is complicated technology that you don't understand, so here's a bunch of nonsense, go be confused and, you know, think right. about uh, – you know, hotel beds being urinated on or something distracting like that. Well, and, and a part of this analysis and yourself and Jerome Corsi, through the digital, essentially like the IT forensics of it, you guys have been able to kind of discern um, that different systems were used, different techniques, and this is very key as to who did what and when and who had access. And that who we're jumping to um, Enter an individual by the name of Seth Rich, who begins in, I think, 2012 working for this political firm. He's basically a political operative. Start with Seth Rich, gentlemen. What's his role in this and his role in the leaks, et cetera? What hap and what happened to Mr. Seth Rich? Well, you know, see, that's been a very open-ended question because there's sort of the conventional thinking about what's going on with Seth Rich and some of the ideas that we've been developing and discussing lately, which are fairly controversial i'm glad that you brought up that he was working for greenberg quinlan rosner yes and that, that is a political operative firm which i mean you know you might hear oh my friend he's an accountant he's a lawyer he's a plumber you don't really necessarily know too many people who are political operatives it's a very specific type of firm and you know you hear about opposition research and you know who's putting together these reports of the uh you know, the Russian dossier that uh, that John McCain has been linked to and is, you know, being used to generate this whole impeachment of Donald Trump. What type of firm is creating that? Well, although Greenberg Quinlan Rosner wasn't directly related to that, it is that type of firm. They're going out and they're doing things that a normal person uh, not in that field might consider political dirty tricks. So uh, I'm glad that you guys watched that uh intelligence assessment we did with Dr. Jerome Corsi, because, you know, in Dr. Corsi's own words, he says, Seth Rich is not some innocent baby in this. Right. And his role is not necessarily exactly understood at this point. We're trying to figure that out. Most people feel like, you know, he was a, a Bernie supporter who was indignant that Bernie was cheated and tried to do the right thing by leaking information. Well, George and I are feeling a little bit more like it's possible that Seth Rich may be someone who was trying to divert people's attention away from the real leaker, which was Eric Braverman. Who was the former uh, CEO of the Clinton Foundation and was involved in a lot of pay-to-play uh, deals, arms and weapons deals uh, all over the world. So this gets tangled really quick. Yeah. Well, and and Eric, <clears throat> Eric Braverman, sorry, sorry no, Jeffrey, Eric Braverman, uh, former CEO of the Clinton Foundation, his last tweet, up to a certain point was October 12th before the election. Then he kind of went off the grid and disappeared. Some people were thinking he ran off to Russia. Some people thought he was in FBI custody, um, being you know protective custody. You know what what's going on with him? Because I saw that he had turned up for another uh, another firm, a foundation out in California. But but he's kind of still off the grid, isn't he? Well, you know, George began his investigation, what is it, 261 days at this point, George? 270, yeah. 270 <laughs> days ago. And uh, Eric Braverman wasn't actually seen, uh, you know, in public or on the Internet by anyone until uh, Trish, the third member of our triumvirate, and mm -hmm. myself traveled to Oxford, England to attend a seminar that he was speaking at. And we did see him there, but there was a lot of strange activity around Mr. Braverman, and certainly preemptive actions were taken to stop Trish and I from speaking with him or interviewing him or even getting near him. It was pretty shocking. I'll tell you, Pat, I wish I would have had you there because it <laughs> got to the point where I was physically restrained from getting into an elevator to talk to Eric Braverman. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't allow physical restraining. Yeah, I found it quite uh, insulting. We're taking you next time. Yeah, <laughs> please do, please do. What? What do you? I mean, and another, you know, part of this web. Do you think John Brennan has a role in this? With the whole, you know, I've heard obviously through all of these stories, John Brennan uh, was a source of some of it, doing kind of the Vault Seven, placing the door, placing the blame of the door on the door of Russia. Do you think John Brennan has a role in any of these leagues? Yes, uh, I believe that the Vault 7 leaks are being leaked to this uh, the spy ring or the spy team or whatever you want to call it. There's going to end up being about 10 spy teams that are going to be managed by this company in Virginia called CrowdStrike. 
So the Awan brothers, the Pakistani team, is just going to be one of the teams, and uh, they're going to have one of the sets of the Vault 7 tools. And the way they kind of worked it was every every group, every team that got released got a few more tools. So they can kind of keep them straight, you know, as far as who does what acts. But this is all going to come out in the coming days. None of it's really come out yet. The only real part that's come out is the Awan brothers right now, the Pakistani team. And keep in mind, guys, that term Vault 7, that comes from WikiLeaks. That's right. a that's essentially, a, for lack of a better term, that's like a brand name that Julian Assange has given to a suite of software tools that were utilized by the CIA and various contractors of the CIA. And, you know, something that I've learned, of course, my background is as a filmmaker, and uh, I contacted George after watching his channel and just becoming so intrigued with the investigation and wanting to get involved myself. I was transitioning my career from filmmaking to journalism, and I've just learned that, you know, these guys like George and Julian Assange, they don't just come out and say things, and it's not necessarily to be confusing or mysterious. Same thing with Eric Braverman. You know, when we were there in Oxford, a lot of times, you know, individuals like this aren't in the position where they can just be so on the nose and come out and tell you directly exactly what it is that they're saying, what they're trying to imply. So when Julian Assange does a release on WikiLeaks of certain tools, sometimes it's a real sort of enigmatic clue as to, you know, why is he releasing a particular thing on WikiLeaks at a particular time? Mm -hmm. I personally have seen some correlation between, you know, George will put out a video or start down a, a particular path on the investigation, and then WikiLeaks will tweet something out that seems remarkably connected, <laughs> and it's a bit of a mystery for the people who are watching either George or Julian Assange to sort of put those things together and figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, thank God everybody has, I mean, or at least trying to. So, and it sounds like Seth Rich was was also doing the same thing. July, tith, July 10th, 2016, Seth Rich is killed. Wow. Um, Allegedly. Well, he's no longer. Well, yeah. I mean, the, I want to ask I, I about. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I got to tell you, I I firmly believe that Seth Rich is not dead, and and that is a belief not that I plucked out of thin air, but it's based on the evidence, or I should say, the lack of evidence that we've seen in our research and in our investigation. We did an interview with Rod Wheeler, who is the former uh, Washington D.C. Metro police officer, who's a homicide detective for five years, and he's working now as a private investigator, and he was hired by the Rich family ostensibly to solve the murder. And when we spoke to Rod, he told us that there's no ballistic evidence, there's no death certificate, there's no autopsy report, there's no photographic evidence, despite a proliferation of video cameras in the neighborhood that he was walking, and three officers who responded wearing digital body cameras, none of that footage has been seen. FOIA requests for that footage and the documents I'm talking about have all been denied. And Rod Wheeler said that never happens. We spoke to a second retired Metro PD officer who also was shocked to hear these details, and he also said that never happens. Well, and that the so, FBI is investigating, and he wasn't a federal official at all, so that's also kind that's of another, That's another interesting point. You know, there's been all this confusion as to where his laptop is, who has had his cell phone, what the chain of custody of the evidence was. Why would the FBI be involved in investigating what's been categorized as just a, a botched street robbery? As you pointed out, Seth Rich is just a civilian, and the FBI would really only investigate a case if it involved interstate crimes or federal officials. So... <laughs> There's a there's a real lot of mystery surrounding the alleged death of Seth Rich. Well, you just blew and my the, mind completely apart right there. <laughs> ha, I'm not and even. The, <laughs> sorry. And the you know yeah, this is the first time I've heard that. But the the chief of police of D.C. resigned not long after this, didn't she? Correct. Within six weeks. That's Kathy Lanier, and we really want to speak to her and get some more details about that. I'm going to blow you guys' mind yet again. <laughs> George, yeah. George well, this isn't is crazy. crazy apart. George isn't crazy about this idea, but you know, since we've really become active on YouTube, and I'm sure you guys have heard about these AI chatbots. They're written up in Business Week and Fortune and all kinds of magazines. How various right. companies are using artificial intelligence to create these bots, which are essentially computer, you know, robotic, for lack of a better term, entities that can converse with humans. And maybe you guys have heard of the Turing test which is uh, a test where 
it's a it's a test of an artificial intelligence where it's trying to determine if a human can differentiate between a conversation with another human or a conversation with a computer. And it does seem that some of this artificial intelligence is becoming so advanced that in many cases it's it's very difficult for a person to determine that they aren't conversing with an actual human. So these AI bots can be used for customer service in certain instances, and like any technology, it can be used for good or it can be used for you know evil. And uh, what we've seen is swarms of AI bots that are trying to sway public opinion in chat forums on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, etc. And it's just another way that some of these you know political operative firms are employing technology to try to control public opinion. Now, we've been speaking to uh, an expert in AI, several experts actually, who have indicated to us that AI is growing in its strength and it's using technologies like quantum computing and really, you know, next wave technologies that most people aren't even aware of. And it's actually AI itself, individually and collectively, is trying to understand human emotion, human psychology, things like religion. It's really quite crazy when you think about it. And it's my (laughs) Sounds like Skynet. Straight out of Terminator. It really is interesting. Uh, we've heard that Hillary Clinton's campaign used AI to try to strategize for the 2016 election. So it's not infallible, but it is very sophisticated. And it's my opinion that it's a strong possibility that the entire Seth Rich murder narrative could be something that was devised by an AI in an effort to cover the Eric Braverman leaks. And I think I think about 200 of those bots have tried following me on Twitter and they're all wearing lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> there you go. I think that's what they're using it for is to sell porn. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've blocked a lot of them. <laughs> Some wow. Of them. That's just crazy, man. That's just crazy. Cause I mean, I mean, there's so much information and even, <clears throat> excuse me, misinformation out there. I was talking to Pat earlier and some of the stuff I saw, I heard Seth Rich survived the shooting, but the surgeon who was somehow a part of the cabal, killed him on the operating table. So, I mean, it's just like, wow. Well, there's mystery surrounding surrounding the attending physician as well. It's uh, Dr. Jack Sava over there at MedStar in Georgetown, but it would seem that Dr. Sava's uh, social security number is also linked to an individual named Dr. Atelyevich. So it's very strange to see all these bizarre circumstances surrounding this alleged death. Well, what was found? What did Eric Braverman put out there um, that would create all of this? Um, the, I mean, it sounds like it's pretty nuts from, from rat lines, trading in people and drugs and guns and money. Uh, it sounds pretty crazy. What did he find in those emails? There's, there's one movie that calls it the, the God business, which is the guns, uh, opium and uh, dr- or drugs, uh, organ or drugs. Guns, organs, and drugs, the, the God business. And that's the part of the Clinton Foundation, which was called the Clinton Global Initiative. And that's the part that Eric Braverman, as running the, the show there at Clinton Foundation, really was kind of shielded from until he was asked to sign financial statements uh, at the beginning of 2015. And as you know, when you're the CEO and you sign off, you're on the hook for the representation. And that's when he bailed out, even though he was promoted and got, got a big raise. Well, he goes to the press now because now the Clintons are going to accuse him of the malfeasance, right? So he starts defending himself in the press in March, and he sees that they keep coming at him. So he ends up going to the FBI in uh uh, June of 2015. So the Clinton Foundation investigation here in New York starts really June 2015. That's when you start seeing uh, kind of the Clintons lawyering up, getting uh, Peter Kadzik at DOJ and, and Podesta getting all of his legal eagles together and, and kind of they have to come up with this cover story because Braverman's going to be leaking this stuff and the, and the uh, FBI here in New York is going to be, uh, you know, interviewing people. Now, none of this stuff has been seen by the public, but we do have people that we know at uh, New York, uh, uh, the Intel, as well as retired FBI, as well as FBI, that are leaking information to us That's that are saying, yes, there were grand juries convened, there were interviews conducted on all this pay-to-play stuff. And 
if you're a charity, you can't say, uh, I'm going to get you, uh, 200 tons of white phosphorus for white phosphorus weapons for, for, you know, anti-tank or, or anti-personnel weapons. Uh, and you just give me a $28 million, uh, contribution. Uh, and that's really the, the one that I'm speaking of there is the King of Morocco giving Eric, the Clinton Foundation 28 million with the phosphate king of Morocco for this white phosphorus. Uh, to look the other way in the Western Sahara. And that really is where Braverman kind of said, that's it. So that's really still bubbling right now as an investigation. Um, so you've got this kind of fight between field FBI and Andrew McCabe, who is the director now of the FBI. He's the guy that Hillary Clinton, when this thing breaks open, pays $675,000 to to shut this thing down. And also Peter Kazik, which is Podesta's friend at DOJ to shut this thing down. Well, it's sort of an indirect payment. It's, sure. it's made as a campaign contribution to McCabe's wife. That's another that's another way some of these things are done is that they're yeah. sort of it's a bit of a shell game where, you know, they're not just straight handing somebody a suitcase full of cash. They find these creative accounting ways. And we've had a lot of conversations with our friend Charles Ortel, who's probably the biggest expert in the uh, unprosecuted financial crimes of the Clinton Foundation. He's explaining some of these things to us. Well, yeah, I heard him say in a video how, how horribly the Obama Foundation is set up, the Clinton Foundation is set up, and they're just really ripe for the fall as far as, you know, to IRS. And George, you were talking as well. You know, that's how they got Capone is like the tax stuff is really – it could really come back to bite these guys. Well, and it's, important, it's important also for some of the left-leaning listeners to understand that this is not just alt-right propaganda saying, oh, Obama's right. horrible and he set up his foundation horribly. This is a financial forensic investigator who is – Describing in detail how laws are totally avoided, broken, uh, just completely not adhered to in the setup of these organizations, 501c3s that are uh, acting in you know for-profit manner, uh, Bill Clinton getting $500,000 payments from Moscow banks for making speeches while simultaneously his wife, who was acting as the Secretary of State at the time, is allowing the sale of uh, uranium mining rights and you know, uranium is used for fuel and nuclear reactors for uh, creating the fuel for nuclear warheads. And depleted uranium, of course, is used in these dangerous munitions that are being dropped all over the Middle East and elsewhere around the world, creating an environmental catastrophe, uh, birth defects, Gulf War syndrome in our own men and women who are in the armed services. I mean, it's really a travesty that is just going under the radar. Well, and to see the, the horrible level of gaslighting that's going on, it's like everything that they're putting on Trump is just exactly what they're doing as it relates to Russia from, like you said, the uranium to Podesta's banking deals over there. And then, like I said, the mainstream media just carries that narrative. And, you know, it's just unfortunate. Everybody just buys it up without doing any deeper analysis. It's quite amazing. The fun part about all this, though, is the tennis match between field FBI and, and NYPD. NYPD is one of the few uh, police departments because of 9-11 that has this robust intelligence division. So you've got kind of a um, – they can't come right out and say we're, we're taking on FBI counterterrorism division and Andrew McCabe in D.C. But what they can do is leak. So they can leak this stuff out to the press, and it's kind of like one of those things where you say, uh, well, you know, where there's no war in Vietnam, and then somebody – sends out pictures of, you know, the last battle that happened yesterday, right. it kind of, you know, destroys your credibility. And that's kind of what NYPD is doing. You're going to find at the end of all this that you're going to see that NYPD is the leaker uh, because they want the case to go forward. And Andrew McCabe is the one who's trying to crush it. So this is kind of this tennis match happening uh, underneath the scenes. Podesta's leaks a little bit later on October 7th last year are going to be the same thing. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're leaking this information. The NYPD is the, 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 the leaker here. The hackers, the quote-unquote hackers, uh, the goosefers, are just that. They're wild goose chases to cover uh, the, what the NYPD field here is doing in New York. You know, and this, NYPD, this NYPD and FBI situation that's going on echoes exactly what was going on and still is going on between Boston, uh, brick unit, and, and Boston PD, with the FBI in terms of uh, some, some Middle Eastern folks who were moving an awful lot of heroin in that Northeast Corridor and causing an awful lot of problems over there. A lot of that comes around. That. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a great story there. We just haven't had time to get there, uh, Pat, but we will. 
We love tips like that. <laughs> well, I've, I've got the guy for you to talk to because there is some serious stuff going on up there uh, in terms of, you know, the Sarnayevs being, being the FBI informants, which, which kind of went in passing with the media. But it goes so much deeper than that. Uh, it's, it's very, very scary, very alarming stuff. They had a problem with Pirate Bay up there and Silk Road. Uh, with Bitcoin, with uh, kind of a joint operation between the CIA and FBI. Uh, we just haven't had time to work that. We, we are going to Boston, though, eventually. You know, see, what's so interesting to me right now, guys, is just to even ob observe what's happening here. George and I run a website called Crowdsource the Truth, and that's how we yeah. met you guys, one of the members of our crowdsource community. We don't ever refer to them as our audience, our viewers, our followers. It's the crowdsource community, and one of the members – contacted us, knew you, that was Cosmo Sherry, and put this whole yeah. thing together. And now just the fact, Pat, that you and George are able to communicate about your individual knowledge. You know, you just told George something that he didn't know, and now we're going to be able to connect on that. It just shows you the power of how when we come together, we can really do things that without social media and uh, all the tools that we're utilizing right now, we, we had no power. This is democracy right here. And if, if yeah. your listeners have the opportunity to get onto YouTube and check out the Crowdsource the Truth channel, I hope they'll also look for that Eric Braverman speech in Oxford that was put out by the Blavatnik School of Government. Because just like George and Julian Assange are sometimes speaking in what might seem like a coded language, you know, Braverman couldn't stand up on stage and say, hey, I'm being detained against my will because I'm trying to be honest, and I'm the one honest guy in a corrupt organization, so Jason, why don't you come help me? He had to speak in really subtle subtext. And you know, one of the things that he said was that uh, as individuals, we can come together with technology and platforms like social media to try to overcome some of this corruption. And I have to tell you guys, I felt like he was speaking to me. And at one point, he, he looked right at me. So it was very powerful. That's, it is. It's very powerful. And, you know, in, in terms of Julian Assange and George and, and everybody, you know, what I try and do, look, guys, I, I was, I owned my own businesses and have done a lot of things, but ultimately I fought for a living. I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. So I have to take the side of the, of the individual in society who doesn't understand, you know, the, the lingo. I mean, there's people out there that don't understand just the word rat line, what that is. What the hell are they talking about? Is that a, you know, you know the old the old uh, flip phones that you go and buy with cash and get a card registered online under a false name and and use that phone um, as a rat phone. You know, some people think it's that they don't they don't understand. You know, it's it's a means of transporting drugs, uh, weapons to to you know very bad people around the world right now, and that's going on. And the people that are tied to that is something that that's very important to get to. I think. Yeah, that's what we use Ratlines. That's uh, any illicit trade organization. And what's interesting is Ratlines leave metadata, which means footprints, basically. So if yeah. you, I'm sure you've investigated a lot of illegal arms trafficking deals, Pat. Uh, you know, you have to have a ship, you have to have a helicopter, you have to have uh, troops to move the stuff or, 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 or people shuttling the stuff around. And it's just right. a matter of go going to these places and looking around and looking for footprints and interviewing people. And that's just, it's a lot of grunt work, really. And we try to spare our audience the grunt work, but uh, we get leads from everywhere, literally everywhere. And just so, just so you know, we've talked about this on, on our podcast before. Um, a good friend of mine who's out west right now, he lives out west, uh, back, in the, back in the day in the 80s was running guerrilla teams against his buddies down in South America, destabilizing uh, some regions down there, and has since owns a, a technology company that basically does spying and, and some other stuff, picks up, picks up phones and, and computer uh, stuff. He told me about this 10 years ago, but it was probably about three and a half to four years ago that I asked him point blank. I said, we're funding ISIS, aren't we? And he said, yeah. He said, it's, it's money being funneled, uh, arms being funneled through NATO. Um, and, you know, it was all he – didn't, he didn't ever – uh, get specific with me, but he confirmed what my beliefs were with different terrorist organizations and and how we were assisting those those organizations. And with the work that you guys have done and the people that are tied to it, makes it all come together. Yeah. Well, one of the good examples of that, Pat, is that 
we uncovered a what's called a diplomatic loophole, meaning if you're a diplomat to the United States, like these Awan brothers have diplomatic passports, I can ship a whole container, a whole container on a, on a container ship or airplane or airplane coming into South uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and it doesn't need to get checked. Now, if somebody calls the port, uh, like one of our listeners did, they can say, okay, uh, Mr. Diplomatic Courier, do you want it checked or don't you? And then the courier can just say no. And then let's go to a different port, like the Port of Savannah, 30 or 40 miles away, uh, where they're, they're not under warning. Uh, but this is the way, uh, this diplomatic U loophole that we identified is the way these depleted uranium weapons and white phosphorus weapons, both illegal, uh, by the UN, are being shipped. Well, uh, a reporter in Bulgaria uh, was looked at the story, and the uh, people at the embassy in Bulgaria released this information of the Silk Way Airlines. Right. Diplomatic, diplomatic only, and we have now, uh, uh, let's see, I think it's around 17,000 PDFs of documents where these weapons are being shipped. Bills of lading. To ISIS, to Aleppo. This is Saudi, Saudi-owned airline, Silk Way? It, it was, yes, Silk Way is, is registered in Azerbaijan, but it's really Saudi-owned airline. And they're flying. Well, these basically, they're basically for for the layman terms, flight manif manifestos, almost. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And okay. they're. I mean, we're talking about the whole bill of uh, lading. You know, as far as exactly what weapons are being shipped, we just posted them on our site. Uh, these PDFs, uh, literally thousands of them, uh, and we're asking the crowd to mark up to find the, the worst cases. But it's just one of these things where one person says, "Hey, diplomatic loophole." is the way they're doing it, and then somebody on the other side of the world, uh, it breaks a story. Well, part of that, uh, part of that uh, Bulgaria story, and you blew my mind with this, there's an arm factory owned by John McCain and Lindsey Graham called Arsenal in Bulgaria, where they ship these arms through an Air Force base in Turkey, into other places, Azerbaijan, etc. Um, that just blew my mind, and also your analysis on that, you were, uh, I think it was you that said, George, um, you know, look look for John McCain to take a leave of absence here. And sure enough, this this uh, surgery was more serious and going to take longer to recoup than anticipated. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Isn't it, Jeff? It's just suddenly he's having brain surgery. We didn't right. hear anything about that. Yeah. And the timing like to, is quite suspicious. Yeah. They like to do graduals, you know, because uh, gradual press releases because they want to kind of uh, – it's kind of listening. It's kind of like that OODA loop when you're in the military. You know, you orient yourself. And then you make a decision, right? Uh, you don't just just decide without orienting. And they they first said, well, it's a little thing behind his eye, and then it's oh, it's worse than thought. Now he's going to be out, you know. It's, and I think I expect Lindsey Graham also to have uh, health problems or a family member to have health problems here pretty quick before the uh, August recess. What about Debbie Wasserman Schultz in all of this? Let's bring in the Juan brothers and, yes, and be in the no. Well, hold on. Another part of this rat line, I guess it's, it's all a part of it, but the KKNR ran by Kissinger and Petraeus. What's their role in the rat line of the of the weapons? Buddy, you should mention that because just yesterday we were talking about going up, uh, maybe it was Saturday, going up to KKNR and, and uh, just talking about the rat line. Just say hello, you know. And Henry, <laughs> just say hi. Henry Kravitz <laughs> retired. That day, Henry Kravitz retired. And that's not done in the private equity business. You just don't do that. It's also worth mentioning that uh, Eric Braverman's husband, Neil Brown, is employed at KKNR. Doing all the rat lines, doing all the oil and gas work for KKNR. And as soon as you say oil and gas and pipelines, the next thing you say is arms and then bringing in DynCorp, to, uh, which is a, a, a private a contractor firm, to guard the pipeline. Uh, and this is where it all starts. It all starts with the pipelines, and then the sex markets come in after that because you got to keep the soldiers happy, and then you got to keep, you know, you got to give drugs to the soldiers, and then the the ugly kids get turned into organ donors. I mean, it just really goes downhill quickly. This happened in Kosovo. This happened in Haiti. This happened in Congo. This happened in Nigeria. This happened in. It's happening now in Syria. It's still happening in Kosovo, as a matter of fact. So this, these are the rat lines that all kind of go together along with oil pipelines, it seems. Well, and it's and crazy what, that you, what's all confirmed. Yeah. What's all confirmed was Sonny Puzikas, who is former Spetsnaz, exactly uh, special forces Russian uh, gentleman who lives here in the United States, a U.S. citizen, um, said the same thing. He saw it all when he was was part of Spetsnaz. 
you know, in the stands in Kosovo, other places. That's 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 eyewitness account of all this stuff. Yeah, the UN has reported uh, on the organ harvesting in Kosovo, and what what really is uh, nasty about the organ uh, harvesting is that it's so profitable. It's even more profitable than the child trafficking, and more profitable than the drugs, uh, because your your bone marrow, believe it or not, in your body is worth so much, and you can harvest that up to seventeen days after your death. Each each one of your major organs is worth about two hundred to two fifty. Pat's Pat's organs might be worth a little bit more. Yeah, I'm sure Pat's <laughs> organs would be worth about a million. <laughs> well, Pat sent me a video that I couldn't even get through. I think it was wasn't that ISIS Pat, and it was basically a little girl yeah. on the operating table and another little girl sitting there terrified. She's up next looking. I mean. I, and it's crazy, yeah, George. I heard you last night. Um, I used to teach about 10 years ago in Chicago in Cabrini-Green at this after-school uh, center, essentially. And I heard rumors then about organ harvesting. That's the first time I heard it. I thought it was kind of an urban legend. But then I wound right. up hearing years later about Homan Square, which I lived by, which is a basically yeah. a CIA black site that people would go in and never come out of. And I didn't know until you kind of said it, and I kind of put two and two together, the organ harvesting that was going down in Chicago. Those kids knew exactly what they were talking about. This stuff is absolutely real. You know, Jeffrey, most of the things that we're talking about here are just so horrendous, so beyond the pale that, you know, even when you explain it to someone and show them evidence, it's just so hard for your brain to process it that it just gets rejected. It's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that's what I've, what I've said numerous times on this podcast is when we talk about subjects like this is that, People have a, a tough time because generally human beings are not that evil down to the fiber, down to their very being like these people right. are. So they just have a tough time processing it. Even to begin with, I think their brains just shut off and, and they're like ostriches and stick their, their heads in the sand. But people definitely need to wake up and understand that, yes, people are this evil and it's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Cognitive dissonance, perfect, perfect term. Uh, before we jump to Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Awans, another aspect of this, and I found it so amazing, like the architecture in Capitol Hill. I think it was George, you had said there are certain committees, like one committee, Foreign Relations, does like the, the drugs and the children, and another, Armed Services, does more of the. Uh, they all kind of are hip to it and help facilitate these rat lines. Is that correct? Through these committees? Well, I, I call it the Senate Armed Self Services Committee rather than the <laughs> Senate Armed Services Committee. And it's really that group that really is the, the center of all these rat lines. It, it's, it's Lindsey Graham, it's John McCain, it's Hillary Clinton, David Petraeus was kind of the war military arm of this junta, basically was a military junta that was created in 2002, right after 2001, kind of when we put all this money into anti-terrorism. And Comey and Mueller and McCabe are the intelligence arm that basically put, gets put in right around the 28 pages and all that uh, uh, gets put in. And it just has never – they've operated as an independent government ever since. And, you know, there's a little bit on foreign relations uh, with uh, the uh, – you know, doing the oil deals. But as far as the arms deals and all the things that go along with it, it's, uh, it, it's really the Senate Armed Self-Services Committee. Wow. Oh, wait now. Hey, George. Yes. Do me a favor. Yeah. Tell me about the Awan brothers. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you a shirt. We're going to get you a shirt. Please do. Yeah. Well, if I told, if, if I just started with one word and I said Russians, Russian brothers, everything I said to you, let's, and I'm, I'm on the more liberal side. I'm on more of the Obama guy, so don't, don't hate me guys. But anyway, uh, I, everything I said, you would you would be writing down. You would get your notebook out and you'd start writing it down so you could tell your friends. If I start out with the word Pakistani, and you you just immediately turn it off as a uh, uh, as a conspiracy theory. But these Awan brothers, as I mentioned before, uh, there's four of them plus two wives on Capitol Hill, working for about uh, up to eighty different uh, Senate uh, excuse me House Democrats. They're making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. They're never showing up for work. They're having their high school buddies go in, supposedly, and work their jobs for them. And meanwhile, they own 12 different homes, some up into the $1.5 million range. They're running a car dealership that's a million and a half dollars in the red. Um, they're working with known criminals that are involved in car theft. 
They are they own 22 different businesses, including uh, businesses which seem to be selling satellite technology to Pakistan, as well as shipping cars, luxury cars to Pakistan, as well as the drug business. Uh, so you've got really uh, all kinds of businesses all over the place that these guys are running, and everyone in Congress is looking the other way. Well, who brought them in? Didn't Debbie Wasserman Schultz facilitate that whole thing? Yeah, you're going to look back and find out it's actually going to be Terry McAuliffe and Andrew Former head of the DNC. Former head of the DNC. Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner was the guy in Congress that that basically sets up this spy ring. Now, none of this has come to light yet, but uh, it's Debbie Wasserman Schultz just gets to be the unfortunate person at the end holding the bag. Uh, And then there's a guy named Mike Kempner, who's the deputy uh, director of the DNC, that he's kind of the Wizard of Oz in all this. He's kind of the... Uh, you know, kind of the master puppet master in all this. So uh, a lot of this hasn't come forward yet, but it will. It's going to break like like a, like Watergate broke pretty quick. Wow. Well, and they were the, the thing that blew my mind. You know, she was obviously facilitating this whole undermining of our country, essentially bringing these guys in, setting them up as IT specialists. Tell me about the Blackberries. How when the Congress people would walk into Capitol Hill or whatever, all their information just gets sucked into the server that these guys set up. Yeah, well, Hillary refused to use the NSA, what they called the bulletproof BlackBerry. The NSA had this thing. It cost, I can't remember how much money, uh, like $5,000, but it had secure ports and they had totally locked down. She said, no, I don't want that. I want my own, and I have my own team. In her own email, she refers to Anthony's trusted staff when talking to, uh, and don't, and don't, don't, go too far with the imagery there, but Anthony's trusted staff as far as doing these secure phones. So we know it's Anthony Weiner. We know Huma's involved in, in distributing these uh, these Blackberries. And the way it was set up was the same way Huma and Anthony's were set up. Uh, Huma's Blackberry would automatically sync every time she sent an email to Anthony Weiner's laptop. And it's the same thing that they when they gave a phone to somebody in Congress. It would automatically sync up to a laptop. We don't know if it was Anthony's laptop or somebody else's. I believe it was Anthony's laptop. But there's a way of distributing these laptops around. I think there's going to be four of them around Capitol Hill so that they were kind of like collection points. And then there's a master server, and this is all reported now uh, by the Daily Caller and other outlets, that the Wan brothers had to collect all the information from Capitol Hill. There could be up to 150 people on Capitol Hill with their uh being uh, being uh, hacked with this sinking method. So were all these all these people all these people have been compromised. So they're basically what just just looking the other way or part of it. Just looking the other way. Every day a story comes out in the Daily Caller, Luke Rosiak about that. They are all afraid. Uh, they're all being blackmailed. Uh, fortunately, we have some people in Congress that are tired of it and are smart enough to be leaking us information. Um, I had I was given a couple of blackberries by people in Congress with the congressional markings. I went to the Wan brothers' houses. The last house I, uh, I knocked at, the 12th uh, house, was a Marine uh, who told me that uh, he had rented this house from one of the Wan brothers, the ringleader, which is Imran. And he said he left 12 blackberries here and four laptops. And I said, anything unusual? He goes, yeah, they're congressional markings. I said, what did you do? He said, I called the FBI. I said, what did they do? Well, they sent over Navy intelligence because my mother, uh, my uh, wife works for the Navy, and they cleared her. Then they sent over the Capitol Police to pick them up and put them in their evidence cage. Well, we know that's true because about a month later, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is threatening uh, Verda Rosa, the chief of the Capitol Police, to get those laptops and Blackberries back. So this right. – this thing will come apart in so many different ways with the Blackberries, with the Hillary's emails, with Huma's emails. Uh, even if they unredact some of the emails that have already been pushed out, it'll blow the case over. Hmm. And is this is this kind of what lends itself to a video I saw you had put out a couple of days ago, uh, the second Project Paperclip, if you can kind of break that. I mean, I know that covers many decades, but if you can break down that, that, uh, that video a little bit, the second Project Paperclip and what that means. Sure. The first paperclip was uh, after a three and a half year war with the Germans, right? We took these Nazi scientists who were involved in drug research and vaccine research and virus research, as well as the space program. Uh, and the part that got publicized was the space program. But we also hired a lot of intelligence officers. Well, it kind of makes sense after 45 years of Cold War with the Soviet Union, we would do the same thing. You want to co-opt 
people that are trained on the other side to get their tools, to get their people, and so forth. So Pat mentioned the Vault 7 tools earlier. That was one of the things we got through a guy named uh, Mikhail uh, Alperovich. The other thing we got were, were people. So I worked at McAfee, and we actually uh, bought a company of 12 Russian hackers, and we brought them to the U.S. They mainly worked in Moscow, uh, but uh, that was the uh, I don't know if that was the first set of people that we brought out of the Soviet Union in this kind of paperclip two. Paperclip two is going to be the Russian program and, and the Russian satellites, you know, Ukraine and other Russian satellite countries from the old USSR. But anyway, I know for a fact, because I worked with them and I looked at them, the 12 Russians uh, that we got, and I know that uh, Mikhail uh, brought the Vault 7 tools out of Russia. So we don't know how big this paperclip two is going to be. But I think that we're on just at the tip of the iceberg with all these people being brought out of the former Soviet Union. To what end? What's the end game on that? What do you think? It's usually always economic espionage. Uh, the Awans, the, there's, I think there's going to be 10 teams. What happened with uh, McAfee is this group was called the McAfee Threat Group that his son, Mikhail's son, Mikhail Alperovich's son, uh, ends up running. Dimitri. Dimitri. Dimitri ends up running this team at McAfee. Well, they kind of get to the point where they get a solid team all over the world, and then they start this company called CrowdStrike. So they build the company with inside McAfee, letting McAfee pay for the you know kind of phone and place to work and computers and stuff. When they're big enough, they go to become CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is going to be all over the congressional hearings. I believe Trump is going to be impeached, believe it or not. I know that's going to be hard to believe, but... Uh, this CrowdStrike will be the key uh, key witness. They're the ones who came into the DNC and the the DCCC after their supposed hacks, which I believe were leaks, to, to clean up the mess, to find out who did it. Um, and you're going to hear a lot more about CrowdStrike in the, in the coming days. But mostly always is to steal economic information, either steal information about pipelines, bidders for different treasury projects, key technology like satellite technology, uh, you you name it. If the government is producing it for free, uh, CrowdStrike's figuring out a way to steal it with its uh, teams of programmers. Wow. Just my brain hurts. My brain hurts. <laughs> you know, guys, we've been about this all day, but I, I hate to be the one to say this. We've got to go prepare for our uh, stream over here. We'd love to come yeah. back talk to you about more and and as the investigation proceeds and more information comes to light maybe maybe we could have a conversation down the road yeah i definitely yeah and i'm looking yeah. forward to go ahead Pat. I'm, I'm looking forward to going deeper into the boston area with you guys oh that'd be awesome Pat. Maybe well, and i could, would i would love to get into you know chicago peter smith bob kramer jan Shinka, uh, i forget i don't want to massacre her name shankowski fetulagu Shankowski. and a lot of operations are out, coming out of chicago yeah. Yes. Yes. And Peter, the- and Peter Smith's untimely death. You know that was that was quite odd. Helium asphyxiation or whatever that was. That that was insane. Growing lit. We we have a whole bunch of stuff. Let's just make this a regular thing because this has been great. I've learned so much from Pat already. I want to follow those Boston leads. All right, Thank you, guys. gentlemen. We appreciate your time. Likewise. Right. Thanks for having us on. All right. Thank you. Stay safe, Thank you guys. Stay safe. Take care, yes. guys. Take care. Goodbye. Wow, bro, that was quite the epic conversation. My brain, it's hurt. It hurts. <laughs> My brain doesn't necessarily hurt, Jeff, but I will tell you this, that you know, it was nice that it was, it was simplified. They kept it simple. They kept it very clear uh, for, our, for our listeners so that people can start to grasp this and, and the, the, the size of it and the people that are implemented in, uh, implicated in this on both sides of the aisle, uh, from politicians to um, NATO people to diplomats to uh, even military personnel. This is you know we're 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 on the third rail yeah. with all of this stuff. And if this comes to fruition with prosecutions and things like that, this this turns the whole political system in the United States upside down. They would much rather have a civil war or even a massive conflict uh, than than to go down the way that if. If this stuff is true, which yeah. I pretty much think it is, uh, these, these people are in a lot of trouble. I mean, we're talking uh, U.S. senators, um, State Department people. Betray uh, is kiss. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's huge. It's vast, man. Braverman. I mean, it's 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 quite uh, astonishing how 
the size of this is just beyond me. Um, it, it is. It's it's massive, and you know we're talking U.S. senators: John McCain, Lindsey Graham. You've got Wasserman Schultz, Hillary Clinton. Um, boy, this this is this is uh, big. Well, and the, and the it, timing, you know, like we said, George. The time he's like, yeah, be, be prepared to watch McCain take a leave of absence, and sure enough, it happens. And then this stuff with Pakistan, and then they shut down, you know, two thirds of YouTube across the world yesterday or whatever it was. It's like the timing of this stuff is just crazy. Yeah, and we wonder, um, as as George said, about Lindsey Graham suddenly uh, coming up ill for some reason or a family member, uh, he's got to take a leave of absence, whatever it is. We'll see. Uh, you know, definitely keep an eye on that here in the future. But this is this is the biggest, this is a civil war going on in the United States right now as we speak. This is legitimately um, a, a massive civil war, a battle for power, the the globalists are desperate to take out Trump before he takes them out, and this stuff comes to light, and and people start getting prosecuted and locked up for some very very evil things, and and uh, you know this this is uh, I, it's it's terrifying, but at the same time these are amazing times we live in. It is, and I even heard George say, uh, you know, we, we got to do something because everybody, all the representatives are compromised. But yeah, I mean it's uh, it's crazy. And the cool man. thing is, look. George George even said it. He leans more to the left. Um, this is not a political thing. This is a right, right and wrong thing. Right. Yeah. This exactly. Is, this is right and wrong. So uh, that's the beautiful thing about this is, you know, you're you're to the center. George is to the left. I'm to the right. You know, I'm not sure what Jason is. You know, coming out of Hollywood, chances he's middle to left. Right. You know, this is this is Americans coming together to expose massive corruption and and true evil. And and as they said, doing it through social media, getting connected, building power, citizens gaining power, and fighting. But you know, look, at some point, everybody's got to either decide: are you going to wear a black hat or a white hat? Right. So this is this has been an amazing episode, and I it hope has. our our listeners are going to going to enjoy it. I, I think that they. I think they definitely have. Well, and I hope they follow up on on a lot of the names and just the information we put out there because it is vast. There is a lot to it, and I, I mean, I, I enjoy our role of kind of streamlining it for people, kind of giving the cliff notes, if you will, so they don't have to do the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of research as I've done. So, um, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, like I said, times are definitely changing. The political system, the, the the medium in which we're using to 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 kind of change this landscape, it's pretty cool, man. You're right; it is very interesting times we're living in. Yep, and uh, thank you to our to our sponsors. We've got Iowa Bison Gentlemen's Cooperative in Chicago. Yes, purple uh, suits. Get yourself a nice get yourself a nice suit. We got NH Firearms. Go check those guys out. You got my podcast. It's me speaking to you, where I chop it up. Very much more lighthearted conversations, not near as serious. Uh, what else we got on there? If you want to talk a little wrestling, I got my boys uh, Joe and Renee with the Wrestle Talk podcast, and. Uh, yep, and Firehorse Combatives. Firehorse Combatives. Trained training. to be a badass like Pat. <laughs> well, the, we'll take the young guys and make them a lot tougher than me. Right. We need security, I think, after this episode. <laughs> all right, buddy. It's been a great one. All right, man. Thank you for staying in, t- uh, staying in tune and tuning in and all that good stuff. Stay tuned. There will be more, folks.